Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today we have with us Michael Gelb. Michael is an author and a creative genius, actually. I saw Michael in Rome um, last year at the uh, Women's International Networking Conference and Leadership Forum, and he had the entire crowd wrapped around his little finger because Michael's message is powerful, and we're going to hear more about that today. So, Michael, you are the author of many books. Um, one of your latest um, is on the bookshelves these days. It's Brain Power, Improve Your Mind as You Age, probably one of the books that has been one of the best known, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, Seven Steps to Genius Every Day. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to have you here. Where are you today? I'm actually at home in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Ah, Santa Fe. Now, so it is springtime in Santa Fe. Are you having rain, nice weather? Are you looking at the mountains? I am looking at the mountains as we speak. I I, I like to walk as I talk. Uh, The old uh, Latin motto, salvitur ambulando, solve it while walking. Uh (laughs) Yes, history people have done a lot of their best thinking while walking. So whenever possible, I do interviews while walking, so I'm walking around my living room. And so as I walk to the front of my living room, I see the uh, Hemez Mountains. And as I walk to the back of my living room, I get to look at the Sangre de Cristo Mountains. Nice. It, that's a beautiful place. It really is. And a very creative place. You know, Santa Fe is, of course, world renowned for all of its artistry and um, creative minds who like to hang out there. I've heard it said that um, it's a very meditative energy around Santa Fe. People go there and retreat in to learn more about themselves, to create their art. Do you find it that way? Uh, yeah. It's, you know, it's, first of all, it's at 7,500 feet, so it's closer to heaven. And the air is really clear and beautiful. The sky is incredibly blue. When George O'Keefe, O'Keefe, the great painter, lived out in New Mexico, and she was married to this uh, famous photographer who was based in New York, and he couldn't understand why she stayed out in the middle of the Southwest. And she explained it to him in one quick sentence. She said, it's the light. So the light here is is quite extraordinary, and it does seem to attract lots of 
very artistic people and people who are interested in healing and spirituality. And also uh, we have a very robust uh, scientific community. We have the Santa Fe Institute, and uh, that's uh, you know, one of the leading think tanks in the world for uh, the study of chaos and complexity theory. Right. So, yeah, we, 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 since I, I work with people around the world on creativity, it's a really useful thing to come back to a place that nurtures my own creativity. Mm, yeah. Well, and you've demonstrated a lot of creativity throughout your life and your career. Let's go back to why you even became interested in the concept of creativity and genius. Well, it started with uh, interest in creativity first, and then if you're interested in creativity, it's natural to become interested in genius because those are uh, the most uh, uh, powerful examples of the creativity that all of us have, but geniuses are people who just seem to take that to to another level. But my original interest in creativity was driven by my sense that the world was a complete mess <laughs> and that people, that people were not uh, were not being very creative in 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 approaching world problems, and they were clearly acting in an uncreative mechanical robotic uh, uninspired uh, fashion. And it, it was obvious to me that you know, when I was an idealistic teenager, that it was obvious to me that this was the direction that uh, humanity had to go, learning how to use the higher centers of the brain, learning how to be more conscious and creative and compassionate. And it wasn't just an altruistic uh, quest to try to save the world. I also realized that for my own well-being, for my own happiness, there was nothing more important to learn than than how to take a creative approach to life mm. and figure out the way to make the most of everything. And it, so, it just it seemed like creativity was such an a, a important core skill. And at the same time, it wasn't really being taught. I mean, yes, right. you know, there were art classes and music classes occasionally, although they've mm. been uh, de-emphasized. Right. But no, they were just done as uh, disciplines in, in themselves, not really as a means to teach us how to, how to think creatively mm-hmm. and think for ourselves. So the notion of thinking independently, thinking creatively, uh, seemed to me um, to be tremendously important. And then I became aware uh, gradually, that this was indeed something that one could learn and develop, and that's when I started studying the great geniuses of history as role models for how to accelerate that development. Well, did you grow up in an especially creative family? I mean, did you have parents who really encouraged this in you? Uh, yeah, you know, here's the great thing: my parents encouraged. They they encouraged. My mom's a psychologist, and she, I'd say, she shared with me very early on that the power of the mind was much greater than most people imagined. And I'd say my parents imbued a sense of possibility. They, they inspired me to know that 
I could probably take on whatever challenge I wanted to take on and that I find a way to master that challenge. So I think it was more a question of uh, getting a notion uh, of uh, confidence and a sense of possibility yeah. uh, rather than, you know, it wasn't as though my family, you know, my, I mean, my grandmother was a painter. She was Italian and she was a painter. So <laughs> I, I did get some uh, creative inspiration from, from her. Uh, but, uh, you know, my, my family, it wasn't like everybody was playing music or painting pictures right. or writing poetry or anything. You know, my dad was an oral surgeon in Passaic, New Jersey for 45 years. And my mom used to deal with, uh, psychotics and sociopaths in the Passaic County Mental Health Clinic, uh, although she says that raising me uh, made that seem easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I would imagine that in some ways um, her patients and her clients were very creative. <laughs> so, you know, when you say that if she gave you a sense of possibility in the world, I... It, it really um, strikes a chord with my work because, you know, and I know you work with leaders around the world, and, and I do too, and executive coaching, and, you know, to help them really become the best they can be. And I believe that the most important part of that as, as an advisor and as a coach is helping those people who are in those positions that are so stressful and so and very powerful um, to really understand the sense of possibility, right? I mean, do you find that CEOs are particularly kind of outside-the-box thinkers? Uh, Not necessarily, although I have a biased sample because the ones who hire me tend to probably to be more oriented towards possibility than the ones who don't <laughs> hire me. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, you know, I'd say that uh, that I've certainly, I mean, the CEOs I've worked with uh, do tend to be more visionary mm-hmm. leaders, and they, they're interested in the possibilities not just for themselves, right. but for their people, and they recognize right. that this is something that can be developed and uh, but, yeah, I, I, I mean, I've seen uh, plenty of situations where uh, leadership changes in an organization and people don't have that vision of possibility and they shut down coaching and training and leadership development. Yeah. And it, it's you watch their, their organization suffer. You watch employee engagement levels drop. You watch people leave and try to go somewhere else where – and that's the great thing is there's so much uh, understanding of possibility today and, and so much uh, recognition that uh, engagement is so critical if you want to perform right. at a high level right. uh, that it, ama- it amazes me that uh, every company isn't committed all out uh, to the full development of their people's potential. Mm. Uh, but. Again, I, I, I get hired by the ones who are most committed, so that's the good news for me. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's fun to work with them, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, so I, I read a little factoid about you that you, um, at one point in your life, were a professional juggler. And I thought, well, now this is creative. (laughs) (laughs) Got to be really creative. You've also got to be very flexible and nimble. Um, So this was you as a young person, yes? You as a teenager? 
Uh, well, it was. I learned how to juggle. I was 20, and I saw someone do it. I thought it was incredibly beautiful. It looked to me like moving sculpture. And it's funny because I was actually looking for some creative way to express myself. And I, I you know, I had tried playing various musical instruments and, and just never really had a sense that that was something that I'd be able to uh, to develop. Uh, I had taken art classes and drawing classes and painting classes and did okay, but again, it just didn't really, I didn't fall in love with it. I didn't think, yeah. oh, that's something I have to do. Uh, but then when I saw somebody juggle, I thought, wow, that's like moving sculpture. Yeah. That is, yeah. that just sort of so incredibly beautiful. And it was obvious to me that once you learned it, you could make up an endless number of patterns. So I learned how to do it and practiced a lot. And then when about a year or two later, I went to train as a teacher of the Alexander Technique. Well, tell us about that, because some people may not know the Alexander Technique. It's a method for developing poise and stage presence. They teach it at the Juilliard School and other great Mm -hmm. Academies of Drama and Music. Uh, So I was training as an Alexander Technique teacher, and I thought, if this Alexander Technique really works, I should be able to get a lot better at juggling. If it's really about poise and and relaxation and action, Mm -hmm. uh, let me apply what I'm learning about the Alexander Technique to improving my juggling. So... I, I did this as a, kind of an experiment, and it worked. I, I was able, I made the breakthrough to do five ball juggling. I was doing all sorts of complicated tricks. I actually started working as a professional juggler. Uh, I worked in a nightclub in in London uh, called the Beefeater by the Tower. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I juggled in uh, Portobello Road and at children's parties and Eventually, I juggled uh, live on stage with Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. Wow. Uh, at a big uh, rock festival called the Net- Nebworth Rock Festival in 1976 in front of an audience of a couple hundred thousand people on a That's giant amazing. stage shaped like Mick Jagger's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, the, and the secret, I learned a couple things from, from that whole, first of all, I learned that the Alexander Technique really did work, and it was a essential uh, practice if you're interested in refining your ability in any kind of performance art. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I actually, you know, to this day, I teach a, a seminar on presentation skills and you know what they like to call executive presence. Yeah. And the the secret that I share in that is the power of poise. I actually do Alexander work with my clients and we, we you know, we put them on video and, and the way they look uh, before and after is so striking. I mean, I did this with a group of construction managers a couple of weeks ago and they, they did their first presentation and then I did a little bit of Alexander work with them and then we put them on camera the second time and I just asked the class, I said, okay, now look at this person here at this time. Uh, 
which person is, is, is more senior, the one you saw in the first video or the one you mm-hmm. saw in the second video? Everybody said, oh, by far the person in the second video. How much more would you be willing to pay this person? Uh, and people said, a lot more. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, so so your, your poise, your presence, your stature mm-hmm. uh, is a critically important part of how you're perceived, of how you feel, of your ability to learn anything. So I've both uh, continued with... Uh, my own practice of the Alexander Technique and sharing it with others. And I also uh, continue to teach juggling as a metaphor for the process of learning anything that you want to learn and having the right amount of energy in the right place at the right time. That's fascinating. I love that. I just love how you've brought yourself completely into your work. You know, that's really a key, and many people don't ever get there. But we're going to talk more about this with Michael Gelb when we come right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Looking for a business talk radio program that's unlike any other talk radio program you've heard before? It's time to check out Game On! Business Talk Radio with host Dr. D. Anthony Miles. Dr. Miles and his guests will tackle some of the unconventional and controversial issues and topics in the business world. We'll outline, discuss, and provide solutions to certain problems in marketing, business management, financial accounting, and policies. You and your business can't afford to miss a show. Tune in Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice. America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. We're speaking with Michael Gelb today. Michael, let's talk about genius. How would you define genius? Well, I define it differently in different contexts. A genius is somebody who changes a system. Mm. The people we call, and obviously changes it for the better in a creative and positive way. Mm. I, I don't believe in such a thing as evil genius. 
and, and so there's and, a, you assign a value to that. Well, but one of the things that, that defines uh, genius, as I think of it, is making a lasting positive contribution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 you know, if you think about the people when when you consider evil geniuses, they don't last. Right. Uh, they 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 don't last, and and we're all trying to forget them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. We build memorials to yeah. remind ourselves of the horror that they inflicted. So uh, it, it, that's not my my idea of genius. My idea of genius is uh, on a global level, it's, it's someone like Leonardo or Marie Curie or Queen Elizabeth I or Charles Darwin, Einstein, who changes the way we all view the world, who, who takes humanity further. Uh, but then there, there are geniuses in a company, for example. Uh, they may not change the whole world, but they may use their creativity to create a more positive culture, a better atmosphere for people to develop and grow. Uh, then, then one can be a genius in the family. Uh, and, you know, you have to be a bit of a genius if you're a parent, <laughs> if you want to have a healthy, <laughs> happy relationship. Uh, you can use the same kinds of creative skills to enrich the family system. And then even in your own, just in your own personal existence, uh, you know, our world is crazy enough that it, it takes right. you have to be something of a genius just to find a way to be fulfilled and happy yourself. So... I'm interested in on all those levels, and you know what my main focus is is taking the lessons of the people who changed the whole world for the better and helping uh, my readers and clients apply that wisdom to make their lives better. It sounds like genius is something we can aspire to. Oh yeah, well, it's, it, no, it, it, we have the same. You know, technically speaking, we, we have pretty much the same. Uh, brain and nervous system as Leonardo da Vinci or Queen Elizabeth I or any of the greatest uh, geniuses who ever lived. Uh, the average person has a hundred billion brain cells, and the, you know the only problem is they did not come with a manual on how to actually use them. So that's why I write all these books. All right. Well, see, you are making a difference and a lasting, positive contribution to the world here. You know, I want to mention that you have actually um, been given an award called um, Brain of the Year by the Brain Trust Charity. And what I find that fascinating because of the company you keep in this world there, um, Professor Stephen Hawking, Bill Gates, Gene Roddenberry. I mean, you know, it's like people who most of the world immediately turns to and says, oh, yeah, definitely geniuses, yes. And so here you are, somebody who's very humble and, you know, does a lot of writing and um, has fun with life, and I, I have experienced that with you. And, you know, you, you're right up there with all of those people who, you know, most of the world looks at them and thinks, how do they think like that? How do they think that up, whatever that is, right? How does it feel for you to be included in that? Well, I just think, you know, all of us have the option to feel included in that. I mean, it's wonderful if you get formally recognized and somebody, they actually flew me to London and gave me a cash prize and a beautiful sculpture as a 
as an award. So it was a really cool thing. I mean, I, I'm, I was thrilled to to get it. But uh, the real point is that all of us can surround ourselves with genius every day. That I want to. Part of why I wrote How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci is I wanted to help take the wisdom of my childhood hero, perhaps the greatest genius who ever lived, and make that wisdom accessible to the average person so that you can have the experience of having Leonardo da Vinci as one of your personal mentors. Mm -hmm. uh, then you know, I did the same thing with, with Thomas Edison, and I, I did another book where I, I actually wrote about 10 different geniuses. So the more, you know, if you, if you affiliate with creative, inspiring, loving people, your life will be more creative, loving, and inspiring. And you can do this in terms of the actual embodied, currently available humans that you may have the opportunity to meet. Uh, and if you seek them out, you'll meet more of them. Uh, and you can also do it with these great historical figures. I mean, it's 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 free. It's uh, accessible to all of us. Uh, to, to you know, you, you, even if you don't want to buy a book, you just you know go online and study the lives of great geniuses. Right. I mean, just you know, who do you want to surround yourself with? I mean, what music do you play all day? You know, I I I have a twenty hour Mozart loop on my iPod because uh, he's one of the greatest geniuses who ever lived, and he communicates to us through this exquisite sound. Mm -hmm. And you just have that sound playing in the background while you're doing what you do. And, uh, gee, you're more creative, you're more inspired, you're more alive. It's, it's pretty simple. It's, it's, you know, it's, it comes back to what you mentioned before about, you know, why do I live in Santa Fe? Uh, I try to surround myself with an environment that is as yeah. inspiring and creative and beautiful as it can possibly be. Because the default setting in the world today isn't Mozart or Leonardo da Vinci or exquisite light and beauty. It's junk and, and, and garbage and spam. So uh, one does have to make a, a conscious, purposeful mm. effort to create this kind of uh, uh, more positive uh, ambiance for, for your life. But the good news is it's not that hard to do if you focus on it. Yeah. Well, and that takes a bit of discipline, right? You know, it takes a bit of discipline to turn away from all of those distractions to be more intentional about what we pay attention to. And, you know, I find that tougher and tougher in our world. And so teaching people to be intentional must be part of your work. Yes, it is. I mean, helping people define their... I, I work with a lot of folks on just defining their their purpose. Yeah. You know why why are, why are you actually here? <laughs> I mean, there's your overall cosmic purpose. Why are you here on this planet? Then I, you know I work with companies, so we're you know, we're really practical. Like, why are you here in this company? <laughs> right. Right. I bet some people well, say I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that, that's often the case. They don't yeah. really know, and then you know, you're. High performance isn't going to result from a with, with the majority of the workforce doesn't know why they're there. Uh, so, and it's not as much fun. It's not as engaging. Uh, so, helping people clarify why are we here? What's what's distinctive about mm. being here? What's what's 
why you know, why does this organization exist besides making money? Yeah. And, I mean, and I believe me, I'm all in favor of making money. And if I don't ultimately help my clients make more money, I don't get to do all this fun, purpose, meaning, and creativity stuff. So it's all it's all tied together. But but I it's precisely the fact that it is all tied together mm. that makes it so important to tie together the purpose and meaning part of what you do. Yes. And yes. and of course the values the values piece of it. So what do we stand for? How do we how do we treat everybody? What are what, are, what do we want to hold ourselves accountable to in terms of our standards of, of interacting with all stakeholders? Mm. So, yes, I help, I help clients uh, clarify these things and then find creative ways to communicate them both internally and externally. You know, you, as I'm listening to you, I can imagine you to be a philosopher sitting, um, you know, kind of in the the middle of a forest and and inviting people to come and sit down and contemplate the important questions of the world. And, you know, that that hasn't happened in our society across the globe for a very long time. That hasn't been the norm, right, where big thinkers come together or a big thinker creates an opening for just, you know, regular people to sit down and really question, what is it all about? And, you know, that used to be the way our world worked. Where did we go wrong? When did that stop being important in society? Well, first, let me. I just have to make one little modification in the image that you painted, because first of all, thank you for for uh, suggesting that, and I'm, I'm willing to. Uh, I, I think it's a, a wonderful thing for you to say that uh, perceive what I'm sharing as uh, philosophical, and 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 that's uh, lovely. I just say that I wouldn't be doing it in a uh, somewhere in a forest. I'd be doing it at a at a great restaurant or someone's home over some fabulous bottles of wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. I'm in. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's there's a lot that goes into uh, contemplating that that question. I think the quest for meaning is is in some ways more alive than ever because people used to just assume that their lives had meaning in the framework of the dominant religion of the society in which they lived. And they allowed meaning to be determined for them by the structure of the religion in which they were part of. So if you were in a a Christian country, uh, if you were in a Jewish society, if you were in an Islamic uh, society, the reality was pretty much prescribed for you. And the good news about that was uh, it gave you a sense of some sense of meaning and purpose. Uh, The bad news was uh, you didn't necessarily uh, craft it for yourself. Uh, And that that world, at least in the West, has broken down. Uh, So even if you're religious, whatever religion you happen to believe in, we live in a secular society. Yeah. So all bets are off, and there is no uh, superimposed meaning, so you've got to create it for yourself, mm-hmm. which is why there's so much interest in spirituality uh, and meditation and 
yoga, uh, all of these disciplines, uh, it's because there's there's tremendous hunger to, to define meaning in a new way since it's not being defined for us. Right, right, right. But, I mean, do you think that it's always been defined? You know, I mean, I think back to some of the great philosophers. Um, weren't they seeking that definition? Well, I mean, there's always been outliers who challenged the status quo and, and thought independently, and those are the people that I like to study. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Leonardo, Leonardo was very spiritual, and he wasn't anti-religious as he has been portrayed uh, in a, a particularly popular uh, novel mm-hmm. and right. movie, uh, uh, but he also didn't buy into the uh, customs and the corruption of mm-hmm. the religious institutions of his time, and he wrote pretty scathingly about those institutions and encourage people to think independently and and, right. and and question question everything. Right. Which was, you know, considered to be heresy and, and you could have uh, been severely punished for that sort of thing, but Leonardo was smart enough to always have a powerful patron who who gave him some protection so that he could express himself. Although a lot of what a lot of what he expressed was in his notebooks which were not designed uh, to be read by anybody else, which is why he wrote backwards. Oh. Interesting. Very creative. That, that takes a lot of creative genius to write backwards. Well, it's easier if you're left-handed, but uh, uh, he, he, you know, he used to do mirror writing, so he would write backwards and then yeah. to decode it. This is, the, you know, this is the real Da Vinci Code. You have, you have to use the mirror to read his notebooks. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So with all of this um, research you've done and you've come across, you know, some amazing contributors to the shaping of our world, is there anyone in particular that um, has challenged your thinking or challenged your beliefs more than another? You mean like a historical figure or uh, somebody that I met? Uh, Well, that's a good question. Maybe we could look at both. Well, nobody you know jumps up to mind uh, as somebody who challenged me uh, from from history because mm-hmm. it, it was it was more people I met and worked with. Some of my my great teachers mm-hmm. uh, definitely challenged me in in profound ways, and uh, you know I, I the people that I respected the most, who I was lucky enough to work with. Uh, were the people who I knew that uh, I just couldn't get away with any BS. <laughs> ah, uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, the first uh, person that I studied, I studied uh, meditation, and I, I went when I was uh, that same place I learned how to juggle. I was there studying meditation and the spiritual traditions of the world with a polymathic genius named J.G. Bennett. And Mr. Bennett had this, he just had this, besides having one of the most powerful minds I've ever come across, he he had uh, memorized, he knew by heart, all the great scriptures of the world and could cross-reference between them. 
Wow. Uh, you know, before it was a cartoon in The New Yorker, uh, he, he went to the Himalayas, climbed the mountain, and talked to a guru uh, in Hindi. Uh, uh, mm. You know, he understood Sanskrit. He knew Urdu and Pali. Uh, so he was an amazing uh, scholar and genius, but his greatest ability was he was like a mirror. He was the mirror yes. of the self. Yes. And when he was around, it somehow created this sense that one one's illusions about oneself fell away. Yeah. Uh, the, the ego was exposed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I found this... Uh, it's just tremendous, tremendously valuable, and I was very lucky to meet somebody like that and work with him so intensely when I was so young. And then I met a couple other people like that at key points in my life, just when I really needed to. I met uh, people who were just these razor-sharp. Uh, ultimately, they were very compassionate, but oh. they were really tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so... You know, I, I don't know where I'd be without having met met those people and had the chance to work with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, that really speaks to how um, we as individuals, especially um, anyone who does want to make a contribution to the world, someone, anyone who wants to help others, anyone who wants to teach, um, you know, we have to do our own personal work, right? So we don't get to say this is how you do it if we haven't figured it out ourselves. You know, we don't get to say, oh, in order to be creative, you have to do X unless <laughs> we have, unless we have, you know, done something to shape our life in that way. And, um, you know, I, I find it very interesting. I When I work with clients, I... Um, similarly to you, I have done a lot of my own personal work with teachers who have um, taken me pretty deep and exposed myself to myself, right, and, and through a lot of different um, avenues. But it, it's interesting that one of the first things I experienced as a young person in that kind of environment was um, when my ego was getting exposed, I, of course, went right into ego and turned and said, well, this is a stupid teacher. And, you know, so as a young person, not really understanding how much ego is in charge. And teaching people that today, um, I find um, leaders in organizations are pretty open to this concept. And you know, I've been in this business for a long time, and I believe that people today are more open to this concept than they were, say, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And, you know, do you think it's because more of this conversation is happening in the mainstream? You know, more people are talking about meditation, more people are talking about um, authenticity and, and integrity. I mean, do you think that, that has, there's an association there? Well, I, I, yes, there is, and I think it, it also is a function of the phenomenon that was responsible for the conference where you saw me speak, uh, which is how we got to have this conversation today. Right. Uh, because I think it's it's this tremendous paradigm shift uh, 
in society in the last 50 years, which also just coincides with the greatest liberation of human potential ever in history, which is the emancipation, the full emancipation of, of women. And hand in hand with the full emancipation of women, the actual women's rights and, and awareness of the importance of, uh, uh, of women as fully enfranchised citizens, mm. uh, there is also a, a growing awareness of the need to balance the masculine and feminine principles, which has always been great, you know, always been wisdom. Uh, right. The wisest, wisest from every tradition have always understood this. But 50 years ago, if you were a leader, uh, the, the paternalistic uh, hierarchical model was still the dominant motto, mm-hmm. uh, model. So you would be afraid that you'd be perceived as weak if you asked for feedback mm-hmm. uh, or criticism. You right. were supposed to know it all and, and you know, not express yourself, and emotions were not recognized as incredibly important parts of, of uh, a leadership, a leader's ability uh, to know oneself. You know, emotional intelligence, the concept didn't even exist. Uh, so this has changed dramatically, and, and I think the reason more leaders are, are open to to learning and recognize that they need to have a coach, a mentor, uh, somebody who can give them uh, clear, uh, accurate, uh, powerful, uh, constructive criticism mm-hmm. uh, is that, that, that the zeitgeist has changed, the paradigm has shifted, and and, and there's just much more awareness and appreciation for the importance of that. It, do, it doesn't not only does it not make me weaker uh, to be receptive and to be a better listener, it actually makes me stronger. Mm. Well, we have more to talk about with Michael Gelb when we come right back. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership is not static it evolves as you do at alexa consulting we work with ceos senior leaders and leaders in transition who want to make a difference leaders who believe that good business is good for people good for the world and knows that conscious actions can have global impact are you ready to take your leadership to the next level if you are then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com that's www.alexasaconsulting.com alexa consulting developing leaders worldwide are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more not just in it for profit but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways listen for be more achieve more inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host chris cooper you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with a passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance these people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more be more achieve more can be heard live fridays at 8 a.m u.s pacific time on the voice america business channel how can we americans realize our dreams to earn a living How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? 
Learn how at the American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. We're speaking with Michael Gelb today. This is Cheryl Esposito. Michael, um, I'm curious about your take on women's leadership. In the last segment, you mentioned that part of what's happening right now is the greatest liberation in human history, and that's the full emancipation of women. Um, you know, there's that's a hot topic right now. I mean, it's been a hot topic for many years, but right now um, a book has been released by Sheryl Sandberg of Facebook, and the book is Lean In, and she speaks about how women need to step up a bit more in leadership roles in organizations, and um, it's promoted quite a controversy because a lot of women say, well, you know, I mean, I would if they'd let me, quote-unquote. Other women say, well, we are. What's, what, what do you think is, you know, what's wrong? Um, and so I'm curious how you see this um, liberation, this emancipation unfolding. And do you have a sense of how fast this is going to happen? Uh, well, yeah, I think it's happening really fast, and I think it, it helps. You know, I, I've now been leading seminars since my first one was 1978, so that's 35 years. Mm-hmm. So when I first started leading seminars, and these are from multinational corporations, there were no women. I mean, there was one woman in the in the first seminar, but she wasn't actually in it. She was the HR person assigned right. to make sure that everything went smoothly. Right. And, and now I'm still leading seminars, and about half half the people are women. In yeah. uh, some in some of my client companies, there's a majority of women in the session, and in others, there are still situations in which women are in, in the minority, but the, the level of representation uh, has changed dramatically, and I you know, perceive that as a very, very positive thing. So I, I, just, I just see it in the reality of who's in the room and who am I dealing with, uh, who engages me, and I've had plenty of, of women clients, leader, women leaders that I've had the pleasure of working with and it's and even more important than the specific gender of the person mm-hmm. is this movement towards a, a new understanding of how to be a leader that we have to balance yes. the skills that have traditionally been thought of as masculine such as assertiveness and focus and clarity and goal setting and uh, drive uh, we have to balance those with 
the qualities that have traditionally been thought of as feminine, such as receptivity and patience and listening and caring. You know, I have, I have, I have this uh, fabulous client in New York. It's a construction management company. They're still predominantly men, although there are a lot more women in this business now than there were when I first worked in that industry about 20 years ago. Uh, and, and the way I got hired by this company, by the way, was with a woman who attended my seminar 17 years ago when she was relatively junior, and she's now the executive vice president of this New York company, and she's the one who arranged to 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 bring me in. But the 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 core value of this company in the very tough construction management business is caring. And the, and the comp- I'm, I'm working with them on their kind of company uh, statement, motto, whatever you want to call it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a, a, we care, we listen, we communicate, we deliver. Wow. And isn't that great? That it's is just, great. It's got everything. It's it like, okay, so, so first we care, we come from the heart. So because of that, we listen, we're receptive. Once we've listened, we then communicate. Once we communicate, we make sure we actually get the result we, we deliver. So uh, that that's a, a, a corporate statement that, to me, embodies the uh, the balance of, yeah. of the yin and yang, the masculine and feminine, whatever terms you want to use it. Uh, and uh, you know that's 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 the balance that. I think leaders have to cultivate in themselves, right? And uh, and that's uh, you know it's just it's a happening phenomenon. <laughs> well, do you think though that the um, the structure of business is that going to have to change? Yes. <laughs> the simple answer is yes. Yeah. It has to change towards an evolving new model. My friend Raj Sisodia. Yeah. is a, a business school professor. He wrote this book called Firms of Endearment. Yes. And he recently released a new book with John Mackey from Whole Foods called Conscious Capitalism. And that's the way it has to change. It has to change towards a, a, a focus on the welfare of all stakeholders rather than just shareholders. That's, yeah. That is the simple answer. And the good news, according to Raja and his colleagues' research, is that companies that sincerely attend to the welfare of all stakeholders, financially outperform those who don't. Mm. Yeah. So it's just better yeah. business. It's better it business is better to business. be caring and compassionate, and it also feels a lot better and, and is much more fulfilling. It, 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 it's stunningly ignorant to me that anybody would try to earn their living without enriching the lives of others. Mm. It's just ignorance. It, you know, it's bad karma. Bad <laughs> karma. Well, see, that's the thing about karma. People don't realize it until it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, it has been so fun having you here today, and I can't believe we're coming to the end of our time together. Um, I know that people are going to want to know so much more about you and, and how they can see you and learn about, you know, your teachings. How can they do that? Uh, the best way is to go to my website. It's michaelgelb.com. That's G-E-L-B, michaelgelb.com. 
And on my website, there are descriptions of all the various programs that I lead. There are articles that are free to download. If you hunt around for a while, you'll find 18 different videos, including one on uh, how to taste wine and write poetry. (laughs) (laughs) I think you should do that more. (laughs) I love that. Um, And in your book that you wrote about that, Wine Drinking for Inspired Thinking, Uncork Your Creative Juices, is Mm -hmm. that what this is based on? Uh, That is correct. I, 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 I wrote that book after leading team building programs for my clients for many, many years in which I guide them through a comparative wine tasting, and then I get them to write poetry about the experience. And they always say something like, we're financial managers, not poets. And I say, after the second (laughs) glass of wine, everybody is a poet. (laughs) And they amaze themselves. I've got to tell you, they amaze themselves. They discover that they're much more creative than they thought they were. Uh, Invariably, clients tell me it's the most fun they've ever had at a corporate team building event. And a lot of people get inspired to actually continue uh, the exploration of wine through the method that I, I teach, which makes it simple and easy and cuts away all the pretension and nonsense and just gives you much more of the joy and pleasure and the joie de vivre. Well, Michael Gelb, creative genius, thank you so much for being with us today. It has been a pure pleasure. We will have to have you back again on Leading Conversations. Thank you. Remember, everyone, to think big. The world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management